the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Hey everybody. I'm here with my husband, Jim Anger, who is uh, the, the subject of our post-mortem today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. You've been, like, laughing at me just because, like, I have a cold or something, and, yeah, I don't understand your lack of compassion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry, but it's always fun to get a loopy Emily on such podcasts. Well, I'll try to channel my loopiness and, um, I don't know, make this entertaining? Is that the is that the goal? Yes. <laughs> Um, the Sunday I Others was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> question, Sunday, but I think so. Yeah. Go ahead. This Sunday I was not in, in church in person. True. Um, where were you? I started off bright and early, bleary eyed, dropping off our 17 year olds to, um, the starting line of the Philadelphia marathon. I don't understand what child we raised. Yeah. Philosophically, I just don't understand marathon running. It is kind of dumb. <laughs> I don't. I don't think "dumb" is the correct word. I think um, "incomprehensible" is more accurate. I don't. I don't consider it dumb. I just. I just don't understand it. I'm not positive I ever will. There, there was a friend of mine in high school who said about weightlifting. I don't understand weightlifting because you're just picking up stuff that you're putting back down again. <laughs> why? Why not not do that? And so, marathons are similar. You end right back where you started. Only you're much more tired. So, right. yeah. So I um, dropped him off, then I um, attended my sister's church, walked oh, yeah. distance from the line, and then um, sauntered back to watch him at the finish line. Those, which he did. He finished it. It's quite an, it is an accomplishment. It is. Um, and you use the opportunity to shout him out during the service, which... <laughs> I did. We'll see um, if people follow up with him this coming Sunday. Yeah, assuming he, he's he at church. loves being asked about his home birth story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know if he likes it or not. I, I sh- we could ask him. Yeah. On, on I his think, birthday. So, a seventeen-year-old boy at this point, he probably just doesn't care. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe he'll come around in a decade or so. Um, back, back to being like an interesting, relevant story. Yeah. Um. But it's definitely a good hook for anyone who wants to know the birth story of Micah at, um, on South, South, South St. Bernard Street. I forget our... Yeah, we actually drove past number. our old house on Saturday night uh, as yeah. well, so full circle. I was thinking, like, okay, what do we, what would it take to, like, knock on the door and say, hi, I gave birth to a, a baby in <laughs> your bathroom, can I see it again? I'd like to take pictures. The seat so of the think crowd. There are pictures. Maybe there are somewhere. I yeah, that's the documentary photographer in me hadn't hadn't yet um, arisen, hadn't been birthed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so yeah, the, those were those were nostalgic days. It's it's a good thing. We're in, we're in nostalgia season with Thanksgiving, Christmas coming Always. up. Always. Um, I'm I'm never not in nostalgia season. Just for the record. <laughs> That's the Bruce Springsteen. It's my happy place. Yep. Um, anyway, I did get a chance to listen to your sermon 
mm-hmm. this morning. Very good. <laughs> I mean, um, thank you I, for your dedication to the podcast. I missed everything um, up until you got the new mic pack. There was yeah. a lot of like, there was a lot of you like speaking and like saying random things I could only. Oh, were you going on the on the YouTube? I did go on the YouTube. Feed. I was yeah. I'm not positive it was on the podcast. I'm not feeder. sure if it was posted yet. Yep. Um, but YouTubing you and um, imagining what you were saying. <laughs> it was all good. All good stuff. Um, so I think we started with the, the phrase, that was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Which you say every I Sunday. I can only including. imagine, yeah, that you were just really smooth all the way. Smooth all the way operator. Yeah. Never let him see you sweat. That's what it was like. Um, but here we are. We're jumping into the sermon. Um Tell me a little bit about what we're doing at this in this sermon. So we are finally turning the corner in our Colossian sermon series this fall, which will continue after Advent in the new year. We're finally getting to the meat of the series. Paul, oh, so it's cliffhangering till January. That's in fact a word that I'm going to be using this coming Sunday, which will be the last sermon on uh, Colossians before before Advent. I, I actually got the first Sunday of Advent wrong, so the original <laughs> the original plan was that this would be the last one, uh-huh. and the body of Colossians, the main part, the yeah. intro ends this week, and the main part begins with the next section. Advent doesn't start next week? No. What? Because of the four weeks, or it's four weeks. So the fourth Sunday of Advent is Christmas mm. Eve, mm-hmm. which... Which which mixed things up. I I told our staff team, and I think it, I think it was either Josh or Angel that said, "Hey, are we are we figuring these Advent Sundays correctly?" <laughs> and it turned out the answer was no. Shocking. And I said, "It's a Christmas miracle that Christmas came late this year, <laughs> and so we have an extra extra week of preparation." We're so committed to that church calendar. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, one more Sunday of ordinary time before the liturgical calendar begins Are for the new year. Are we singing Christmas carols next week? I don't think so. That's such a bummer. <laughs> I, I'd have to go back and check. Um, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you you didn't even you didn't even like say yes or no. But anyway, Christmas carols are the. It is one of the things that like I think should start just after Thanksgiving. I'm I'm cool with it after Thanksgiving. There's a liturgical calendar that is not the same as Black Friday, so. I I mean, but that is part of it, right? The Starbucks calendar. Normally, the first Sunday of Advent is after Thanksgiving, but not this year. Okay. Crazy. So we're waiting to put up our tree until that weekend, too? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about, so your cliffhanger to the cliffhanger. What else were you trying to get across when you're setting up this, launching this sermon? Trying to get people to feel the weight of staying in love with Jesus for the long term, which is a phrase that I use during the sermon itself. How we're not just wanting to follow Jesus today, but tomorrow and the next day after that. If Jesus, as the author of Hebrews says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we would be those that bow the knee to Jesus yesterday, today, and forever also. Uh And uh both am as we think of people that we know as we continue to journey with them in Jesus for the long term and know the joy of that, we also know the joy of not that. And uh-huh. so from sermon introduction or otherwise wanting to 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 note such instances and 
have us to press ahead together into Jesus. So who knows if we'll be doing this podcast yesterday, today, and forever, but would we at least be followers of Jesus for the long haul? Sure. And that that's what I was burdened by going into the sermon. Makes sense. Um, and tell us, as we move on to the next section, um, tell us more about this Bible passage. I know you were mentioning... It's still the introduction. Still the introduction. How many sermons have you done on the introduction? A lot. So I was going meta. Uh, <laughs> as somebody that is a long introer, then uh-huh. Paul also is introing long. Sometimes it happens. So the I'd have to go back and check. The, this could be the longest introductory section of any of Paul's letters. Uh-huh. It's not an exact science. It depends on where different commentators will divide up where introduction into body is, but this is definitely long. So even at the beginning of the second chapter of Colossians, Paul is still revving up the engine, but there's been rhetorical pur- purposes behind it. So the, I guess it's a, at least a little bit of an interesting interpretive question. At the face level of these verses, there's not a whole lot of either new material, with one exception, or uh, super difficult things to unpack from a meaning of the word standpoint. But then on the other hand, from a rhetorical standpoint, we have Paul, the master rhetorician, going at it again. Right. Still trying to lay a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about introductions, like I, I it is... To me, the meta part is that you were also laying an introduction with um, the West Philly story, mm-hmm. and it kind of built into into a setup for connection with friends, and then but then you also bookended at the end. Yeah. Um, do you like? Is there when we say that this is an introduction? Like, do you think that this is how Paul was thinking about it? How more specifically do you like mean that? Like, as an introduction, based the verses we've um, spent time on up to today's passage? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I think the answer is yes. And as we understand the fact that Paul is building up that ethotic connection, right. the, the, the ethos, want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, and so on, when he finally tips his hand in verse 4 of Colossians 2 to say, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, at the surface, it sounds like he's just throwing that in there, no big deal. But as we see him really dig in, starting in the next couple of passages, this is something that Paul, it's sort of sort of the equivalent in a marriage when... There's... No, <laughs> you're starting no, to give me a look. No, you're smiling. The... Say husband or wife does have a really weighty thing uh-huh. to bring up with the other. Like such as what? <laughs> what are you bringing up here? I'm, I'm glad we have this time to talk. The, But you don't necessarily intro that conversation by going zero to 60. I mean, I do. The, you do. <laughs> hey, there's something really hard that I need to talk with you about right now. I do that all the time. Well... Do, do people say that Emily is a master rhetorician? I, I don't know. Maybe they do. Uh, some rhetorical strategies would be, on the other hand, slow, slow playing it to 
mention it, seed the idea, then come back around in a more robust way. Whether or not that's Emily's rhetorical strategy, <laughs> it is Paul's, where he's slow playing the, hey, I'm actually super concerned uh -huh. and intent to talk to you about these fine-sounding arguments that are pulling you away. I'm just going to mention that before I go whole hog into it. Okay. And so, yes, I, I think in that way it is intentional on Paul's part. I, I mean, if I didn't think it was intentional, I probably wouldn't have preached the sermon in this, in this way. But sure. the pendulum swing too far to the other side is understanding how people use language. It, it's not as if Paul, in his mind, at least as far as we can tell, he didn't outline his letters ahead of time and say, this is the introduction that I'll go through Colossians 2.5. Not that he had these specific verses. The versification was not part of Paul's, Paul's original letter. So I, I think it was more organic than introduction, epistolary body, but you can still go back and unpack it in those terms. Right. Okay. Just like with, you know, a... Uh, restaurant meal at least when there were paper menus when you'd sit down you'd make the small talk you'd transition to looking at the menu waiter comes gets drinks you're still talking and then after the drink order comes there's a more serious hey let's look at the menu so the small talk kind of carries off but then you make your entree order then more serious <laughs> more oh, i'm just enjoying restaurants uh -huh. in my mind right now and, and especially after the food comes, if you're not to the meat of the conversation by that point, that's when you're like, okay, so how are you doing? What's really going on? Uh, if, if that's a normal flow of a nice dinner with friends, you're not necessarily checking off those sequential boxes in your mind, but you're just it's in just that flow. So, mm -hmm. so Paul, Paul I think, is in that flow. Or a learned intuitive behavior... Is, does it really apply to marriages that it should be the way you're setting it out? <laughs> I mean, I would say yes, but other people's mileage There's may vary. There's a lot of people who like just continue and they just stay at the appetizer level discussion, though. So very true. I, and I feel I'd like say that's an unsatisfying of, dinner conversation or an unsatisfying stay marriage. Stay and not bring up the difficult thing at all. That's the more common. <laughs> pitfall you you are an out you're a pitfall outlier there are things i haven't brought up with you i'm happy to start right now okay what what <laughs> category would that go in as far as our our blueprints oh, categories well the, <laughs> what did you find most interesting or challenging <laughs> the answer is you what was most fun or difficult you okay um anything else about the text here. Sun Studios, Presence of the Lord. Just to note one more time, I mentioned the nerd words, verse 3, Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is recognized as a high point of doctrine of Christ, Christology stuff across Paul's letters, both for its depth and also breadth. So if a phrase that I've been using, Josh Postelway picked up some of this language two weeks ago as well when I was away. Uh, Jesus is everything. I think that's one fair way to summarize the indicative of what Paul is talking about in this letter. Another way to say Jesus is everything is to say that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And 
if there is a singular focus there, Jesus is everything, if it's all the treasures, not just some treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I wanted to spend some time parked there and say, what is that? What does that look like more fully? And that's what, that's where I added Jesus is enough. Jesus is grace. Jesus is hope. Whether or not Paul had those specific things in mind, I did try to take some time to fill out the, the breadth dimension of the immensity of who Jesus is. And, and that's the anchor against the plausible arguments that Paul is talking about. Hey, if, if Jesus is really all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, you don't have to treat Jesus as an accessory and go Jesus plus this, Jesus plus this all the time. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, can we move on to mudding, mudding yeah. the waters? Um, what are what are you doing here? Who, who are you speaking to as you uh, lay this challenge out? I am speaking to those that may have tendencies towards falling away, and therefore all of us. Right. Whether it's people that are in the final stages of leaving the faith, or coming from the other direction, people that are in stages of examining Jesus for the first time, but are not necessarily all the way there as far as making the connection. Um... Yeah, wanting people to stay to stay strong in the faith as you might be pulled away in different directions. Uh, positively, wanting people to experience the fullness of hearts being encouraged, being knit together in love, reaching all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mercy, which is Christ. But then from a negative perspective, the warning, I see this in order that you no one may delude you with pl- plausible arguments. Spend some time going in the warning direction too you may be a redneck if (laughs) or you may be sliding away from jesus if if. Uh so the second half of the sermon went into more detail about those things sure and so the first part you were um talking about uh a challenge to have have jesus as a as a baseline um for understanding everything i guess yeah the um that context you were talking about how you were talking about multiple selves which i found amusing because that is like my pitch for the next iteration of this podcast like ah. <laughs> was that it you you didn't you didn't even connect that no <laughs> i incepted it <laughs> i was so annoyed when i heard that actually not annoyed but huh that, did, that relates to a couple other things that we've been talking about over the couple last couple of days too. Yeah. So, so well, huh. sermon wise, maybe all this is maybe I'm just an automaton and you're <laughs> you're like the pilot inside the gym. The husk. background here, guys, is that podcast listeners. Is Howling that, wolves. I still Thank I you. still don't like the structure of this 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 podcast. I don't totally understand. Okay. Our um, changes are coming. Our distinct, supposedly. Our so like one of my pitches was. To like have have Jim talk about the different parts of him and how he the would, different gyms yeah how the different gyms would address I'm a man of many gyms look at or listen to his own sermon the gym inside me um, like Tobias Fickle. so I thought that was a direct reference when you started talking about your multiple selves <laughs> nope um, the multiple selves that we all carry um, which is relatable. Um, to feel like you have multiple selves, but your call yeah. or your challenge was to like roll it up into one identity. 
You you do like that poem a lot. I, I'm jumping a little bit. J. Alfred your, Prufrock. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wonder how many times you reference that poem. I think fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me more about this multiple selves thing. Jesus, if Jesus is singular, then he's our baseline self slash core identity that gives us places in which to put all of our other parts of ourselves. So the I think it's common for us to think, at least at a practical level, if not explicit, my work self, my fun self, my family self, my friend self, my lifestyle self, my sexual self, my hobby self, etc., the big category that we all need is simply the Jesus self, because that's the one that's the biggest, most encapsulating, gives us a place to put all of these other selves. So if Jesus truly is sufficient, I think it would make sense for us to think about how dependable Jesus is and being able to carry all of our different selves, which also puts a call upon us to relate all of our different selves back to the Lordship of Jesus at the same time. Mm -hmm. So... Jesus gives us a unifying principle as modern people that otherwise I think we're left grasping for much of the time. Sure. I was also thinking about this in terms of like people who do walk away from faith or religion. Like some of it is because that self is only one part of like that Jesus self is only hitting the like one part and yeah. he's not addressing the other parts. Um, there's something there to mull over. I haven't like, 100% put it together but yeah that's one of the ways where unbelief grows when as far as we know we're checking off Christian boxes and doing Jesus things but there is a widening gap between doing the Jesus things and then the totality of our person and I'm interested both in this sermon also in the sermon series and thinking more broadly about discipleship at Liberty Collingswood Let's make sure that Jesus self is stretching across the fullness of who we are, our full self, so that unbelief doesn't grow without our knowing it. And when I started to give some of those warning signs, hopefully those were some practical things and flags that we could recognize in ourselves as far as, hey, you might not know that your non-Jesus self is growing like a weed, uh -huh. but here are some ways that you might be able to catch it. Right. Where's the warning sign in the passage? I'm sure it's there. I just don't have the passage in front of me. So this is another expansion by me that's not necessarily in the text. Ah, that's good, why. good question. So, <laughs> but I always like the I always like the question. Where is it in the text? Uh -huh. That's good. Good Bible student. The the warning is in verse four. The warning signs I went and attached to it. So I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. That's the warning. And then going back to this cliffhanger idea, I gave some warning signs to stir up some, to prick some consciences, uh -huh. to, to stir up some appetite for hearing more about how we can be pulled away and therefore why we shouldn't sure. by flagging some behaviors that I think would open up some willingness to hear more as we go back to Colossians in January. Right. And I, I... I did find those like those warning signs like there were things that pricked me like particularly which I'm sure you know about since <laughs> I am married to you. I'm curious about which ones 
are warning signs that like this is back to my podcast idea. Uh-huh. Like, which ones are the ones that convict you the most? I was gonna ask you the same question. <laughs> so <laughs> you first or me first? The just so just to itemize them once again briefly. When our friendship group of record when it comes to approval becomes non-Christians instead of Christians, when we listen to secular voices a lot more than Christian voices, whether it's directly Christian, quote-unquote, Christian content or not, or as it relates to entertainment sources, news sources, that sort of thing, again, not wrong in itself, but just be aware of how you're consuming information. Uh, That also relates to Christian counseling versus non-Christian counseling. Letting ourselves go when it comes to sin. Uh, Lust, sloth, greed are the few that I mentioned. Uh, Social media, energizing, and then moving towards as opposed to away from people that are needy and or people that we disagree with. Um, I think at the conceptual level, and then I'll go back to practical M, I was most intrigued to think about this last one, how we need the gospel of Jesus to help us both to move towards people that are needier than we are Uh and disagree, and how not Jesus could help us with maybe one of those two, but we really need the gospel for both. I'll probably come back to that. So that idea came to me last week writing the sermon. Uh I'll probably explore that more in future sermons and podcasts. I, I think for me, the vigilance path needs to be directed towards letting myself go when it comes to when it comes to sin. I, I think I have a fairly <clears throat> robust and articulated grid for things like imbibing secular voices. So uh-huh. just just as a contrast, where other people. I'm not saying I'm better than other people. I just have this part of my brain more developed, probably because of my vocation, where if I'm listening or I'm never, I don't ever have a non-critical grid for (laughs) listening or or any voice. So I I have a pretty strong internal compass for, uh, or even, yeah, like a Christian voice. Hey, where's this person coming from? What's the theological commitments? Where's this person from geographically? What ethnic, ba- just all of the, so, so there's never an unmediated voice that I listen to because it's always being filtered through all of these various uh, ways. So, so for me, I'm not gonna, I think, six months from now, be listening to the secular podcaster and say, hey, this I've really been drawn away from Jesus in ways that I haven't fully realized because this person's not a follower of Jesus, but I'm listening a ton to him or her. Uh-huh. That's probably not going to be me. Yeah. But letting myself go yeah, yeah. would be. Um, so so vigilance towards sin would be, would, would be mine. And also like another less thing for me, friend group of approval. You know my deeply misanthropic streak so um self-approval is what i what i go for more than other approval Ah, although the enneagram three who knows anyway i'll stop talking there how about you baby uh yeah i can relate to some of the things you were saying i like i wrote down the greed part in terms of i I tell a lot of people Hmm. this that like my idealist college self uh, or post-college self was more like 
desiring of like just jumping in to to fully into service for other people so there's a little bit of a level of like is that age or is that like you're saying like is that is that uh hardenedness towards towards uh towards greed or movement towards greed rather than generosity so it's something to like that's a good question for me to keep reflecting on um and i did i i did find it interesting like in terms of the personality grid your what you had mentioned um at first about the caring less um moving less towards people who are or either moving towards people who are needy or moving away from people you disagree with so yeah that's a i think especially as we approach another political season i think that Mm -hmm. would be an interesting thing to like ponder in terms of categories of what jesus calls to calls us to both things and why is it that some people or some parts of us like want to gravitate towards one or the other i don't know yeah so those are they were interesting things to chew on um yeah i think on that score just to interject and then i'm happy to hear more on the it's political season plus holiday season and Uh so josh postlewaite was talking in his sermon about thanksgiving plus christmas is going to bring us in contact with family so if if well with our friend groups tend to gravitate like towards like uh-huh. family groups reshuffle that deck and put us will put us in contact with potentially more people of differing viewpoints sure. so so that so there's that that layer as well it's going to be it's going to be fun yeah <laughs> fun time yeah I, I like that. And, and these are things that we'll be coming back to also as we get into Colossians 2 and 3 from, from here. Positive side, I just threw in at the end of the sermon and I was needing to wrap up at that point, the tuning fork analogy uh-huh. where just make sure that you hear Jesus clearly and make sure that you're resonating with, with Jesus. What, what's your take on the song, I Love to Tell the Story? It will be my, do you like that old hymn? Uh, Did you sing it at, at the church that you were at this Sunday? Oh yeah, no, this Sunday. <laughs> I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. I don't think that's the vibe. Okay. Don't. Yeah, that's more. Yeah, like that's old, more of like the Fanny Crosby. Like, right, I don't know if it is a my, Fanny Crosby uh-huh, specifically, but back but, in my yeah. Southern Baptist days, not right. Not the Tempe days. Which. Go ahead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's not. I don't even think it's in the Trinity hymnal. hymnal is oh, it? it's in. It, it's in the Trinity hymnal. I love to don't tell you the worry story. About that. Are you yeah. sure? Um, I would wager if I was allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> is it, that's one of the seven de- deadly sins. Maybe that's the one you're gonna. <laughs> what, <excise>. Gambling. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting, actually. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I I think that that makes sense that we need the story of Jesus. Um, over and over and over again. Yeah, I wasn't planning, and this is dipping into guitar slim pickings, the, hey, I hate it when I hear sermons that don't talk about Jesus. That was an ad lib, but uh-huh. it's true. I, I'm, it hurts your feelings. That that I thought was funny terminology. Yeah. I, the, and <laughs> Why make pe- it about you? People might, because I'm talking. The, it hurts your actually, feelings. that that is a frequent criticism of my preaching, but neither here nor there. The, I think generally people might be surprised to hear that I'm really easygoing with hearing other people's preaching 
because I, you know, preaching's hard. You, uh-huh. you look skeptical. I, I always have thoughts if people would thoughts, but in general, hey, tell me about the Bible passage that you're talking about and tell me about Jesus crucified and resurrected. But if you do that, I'm good for the most part. The, but, but if you don't get around to talking about Jesus in a Christian sermon, then, or we, we both listen to podcasts where one of the common criticisms to the point of cliche when people watch a show or a movie or listen to something that they don't think works the whole what are we even doing here type uh-huh. type criticism if jesus isn't present in a sermon in a church in one's life what are we even doing here calling ourselves calling ourselves christians and I, the on that real quick i did want to accent <clears throat> it's not just jesus is a good guy but somebody that died and rose again. So we specifically need a Jesus incarnate, but then also Jesus crucified and resurrected because if it's just Jesus incarnate, that's, that's not the center of the Bible story quite in the same way. Right. It's a different, a different flavor than, than what I like, but yeah, bottom line hurts my feelings. (laughs) I take it personal. If there's no Jesus crucified and resurrected. Maybe that could be a, a new podcast, uh, section it hurts my feelings hurts my feel okay well <laughs> you apparently are writing these new sections so feel free to podcast listeners not hollowables <laughs> oh my goodness well, I, I just get bored with things when it's i delegate even... when i delegate yeah. i stick with it so yeah, yeah feel free um we can move on i think to bar band cover tunes yeah that all that you have here um that's the one section so, you like today alfred proof rock i like the old seconds. <laughs> it's the only one that makes sense. Okay. Um, that's not totally true, but um, oh, you so you told yeah you had the our friends um, Matt and Tara McGill as our mm-hmm. um reference point. I wanted to clarify that I do not believe that our house where Micah was born is was University City. Like it oh. might be now, but like it was West Philly. <laughs> Just want to say. Yeah, those are, those are contested boundaries in a lot of different ways. Yeah, so, so no, I, no I argument like, for me. I, I we we didn't live in University City, but um. well, to to illustrate, at least back then, we were outside of the catchment area mm-hmm. for the Penn Alexander Charter School, but within the mortgage assistance program from University of Pennsylvania. Not quite so. yet, but yeah. I think we. I thought it was a borderline where like it was expanding. That's why we. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so we were outside. Yeah. I okay. That, yeah. Good. So we were in West Philly when um, Michael yeah, was true. accidentally born. And we took some. Anyway. Yep. That's um, true. And Matt and Tara are good friends of ours. Um, your your Doogie Hauser reference. He really was a little bit like our Doogie Hauser. <laughs> Not yeah. dissimilar, as far as personality <laughs> and affect. <laughs> Yeah, as, as he's well. super smart, and and also just fifteen or sixteen. Believe yeah, them. I he could have been sixteen instead of fifteen. Yeah, but fifteen's really young. 15 still, is he like... was much younger mm-hmm. coming coming to school this. and college and otherwise. And we've been privileged to meet over the years some pretty crazy smart people. Yeah, I would put Matt and Tara. Sure. Matt and Tara. And, right, not and really... not garden variety intelligent, but actually right. rather rather brilliant right um and really devoted to uh and serious about the gospel and and living that up so that's yeah that has been a cool relationship um mm-hmm. 
What else did you shout out? It's been cool. <laughs> Matt and Tara. Uh-huh. Uh, what else did I have? So, N.T. Wright, everything we might want to ask about God and his purposes can and must now be answered with reference to the crucified and risen Jesus, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So Jesus says singular. Or, so that we not go without actually considering what T.S. Eliot said, um, would it have been worth it after all? After the cups, the marmalade, the tea, among the porcelain, among some talk of you and me, would it have been worthwhile to have bitten off the matter with a smile, to have squeezed the universe into a ball, to roll it towards some overwhelming question? You are such a romantic. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a great poem. Um, and then also Matthew 5 and Romans 5 talking about how we how the cross signifies for us loving of enemies and hey if you only like people that like you don't the gentiles do that and the cross calls us to a deeper sacrificial sort of relationships with people that are other than we are which has huge implications for christians in all times and places but then specifically in this one I also, in my notes, wanted to circle back to the Mag- the McGill reference that oh, sorry, you were playing, where you were playing um, soccer <laughs> yeah. and creaming our poor children, right? Um, and the the PT reference because I'm about to be oh in yeah. Section. I was like, that's another like you're just calling me out, telegraphing, still giving nice. spousal spousal communications versus digs and uh-huh, sermons. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you're uh, we how you're. You walked into the room without your walking cast. You're doing a little mm-hmm. bit of that. And yeah. PT starts next week, so yep. I'll have to track that in future podcasts. That'll be fun. Um, guitars from Pickens, any leftovers? Uh, you wouldn't have heard on the YouTube feed or the sermon podcast because we don't have a microphone in the room. But when I, or my only thing for guitar slim pickings was when I was talking about maybe doing seven deadly sins for the Lenten sermon series and I made the quip hey let me know and we'll have a vote on Which the couple of out. sins to cut out for the sake of time there was unexpected joint nervous laughter that came <laughs> from the congregation it caught me off guard for a split second where no one shouted oh, out. yeah people people felt that one shouting out which sins they wanted excised yeah Interesting. Mm. Or um, maybe I'm just asking for that feedback so I can specifically make sure that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're couple. just gonna collapse a couple into. You can't like strike some of them if you're if you're doing a sermon series. Or or maybe I'll just I'll sins. just continue the Lenten sermon series to Easter Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> work. <laughs> An Easter Sunday seventh deadly sin. Right. The culminating seven. Um. Hmm. Okay, I got no leftovers except Thanksgiving leftovers. Thanksgiving's on my brain. Am yeah. I ready for Thanksgiving? Are you ready for Thanksgiving? I'm ready for Thanksgiving. It's telling people that not. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of traditional Thanksgiving menus. That's not my not my jam. But Poor you, you. but we got it. <laughs> Do you know what's harder than the eating? The cooking, apparently. But yeah, besides that, uh, I've gotten a lot of good personal feedback. Nothing to the postsundayblues at gmail.com email address, but I've told a couple people that the past couple of months in Colossians, through other means, I've gotten more positive feedback from this sermon series than I have in a while. Well, that's no fun. We need negative feedback. 
<laughs> True. I don't read the reviews for the positive feedback. Yep, you only see the negative. You and you and Madonna. Famous quote um, by her. Any other announcements before we? So we have up? one more sermon coming from Colossians this coming week, and another edition of preaching postmortem and then we are starting advent have i mentioned to you what the advent sermon series is going to be no or probably but tell the listeners <laughs> uh, we'll see if it rings a bell i don't think that i've actually mentioned it to you the servant songs of isaiah oh you have so you have actually isaianic uh -huh. detour for the advent nice. season including the first sermon from angel garcia will be coming on december 10th will be fun i think from isaiah chapter 49 i'd have to go back and check fun stuff and with that how was it that was amazing thanks so much for joining us this has been the post sunday blues a preaching post-mortem production of liberty collingswood go ahead rate review and subscribe and you can find all things liberty collingswood at libertycollingswood.org no more post sunday blues here comes some pre-sunday happy Line up the microphone. With what? Your body. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs>